Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. All right, I'm sitting here today with Kate Evans, a professor of horticulture at WSU in Wenatchee. And we are sitting in a conference room on the campus here of the Tree Fruit Research and Extension Center. Kate, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Today our conversation is going to be about apples and probably the Cosmic Crisp. Okay. But before we go there, your accent? I can't tell. Is it East Wenatchee or Wenatchee? Oh, I'd say maybe a little more East Wenatchee than Wenatchee. <laughs> Where did you grow up? <laughs> yeah, I'm English. Um, I would never guess. I would well, never. <laughs> a lot of people say Australian, so it's like, oh, no, not again. No, I'm English. Okay. So, yeah. And where in in the UK is that the is that I always get confused. Is is the UK the official term that we're supposed to use? England? I don't know. You can use whatever you choose because I'm. If I was Scottish and you said England, then that would be not appropriate. Okay. But England, UK, Great you, Britain, you're all okay. fine. Yeah. So where did you grow up? I grew up in a city called Sheffield, which is slap bang in the middle of England. Uh, it's a very industrial city, famous for its stainless steel production and the film The Full Monty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And where did you go? Where did you go to school at? I I moved about thirty miles north to a, a another industrial city called Leeds. Um, and did a degree in uh, plant biology and genetics, so a sort of double major. Uh, always loved plants, and it was a sort of perfect fit for me. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to go back to your youth. Okay, so here in the U.S., we joke about you know in the in the backyard we're playing, you know, cowboys and Indians or whatever. So when you were a little kid, what did you want to do? You know, I always knew that I wanted to do science, okay. always interested in science, always interested in biology. Um, for a long time, um, it was, oh, to become a doctor, right? That's what everybody did if you were interested in biology, if you were good in school and whatever. Um, but kind of when I hit the point of thinking about going to college, I suddenly thought, you know, I'm really squeamish. I'm not good at the sight of blood. Um, this would not be a good fit for me. Uh, and then I thought, actually, I, I kind of prefer plants. So I, I moved in that direction. You moved in that direction. Okay. And then as we're sitting here today, you're all about apples. Mm -hmm. So when did apples come into the equation? <laughs> Yeah, really good question. It was something that I had never expected to do. I mean, growing up where I grew up, very industrial, um, a fairly bleak climate because we're sort of up in the in the Pennines, which is the sort of the, the higher elevation region that runs north south in in the UK. Um, no fruit production, but I I moved. Uh, to do a graduate degree, PhD in plant molecular biology. So I moved sort of further north okay. um, to a city called Durham, very old university town. Um, and 
enjoyed doing that, but it was very lab-based, very sort of, you know, working with DNA and test tubes and all that kind of stuff. And and I, I, I got my PhD, so there, you know, got my doctorate, but it made me realize I, I didn't want a job where I worked in a lab all the time. It was just, you know, that was too too restrictive. I wanted to have an opportunity where I, I was outside a bit as well. Okay. Um, and literally just saw a job advert for an apple and pear breeder. And I kind of figured, well, I'll, I'll apply because it sounds interesting. I knew nothing about apples and pears. I knew a little bit about plant breeding, um, but I knew quite a lot about plants from a genetics perspective, which is what fits into breeding. Mm-hmm. I applied, and uh, bizarrely, they gave me the job. So it was a it was a job in a a, a research institute that's uh, called East Morling uh, East Morling Research, or it's had various names over the years. But it is uh, the sort of primary horticulture research institute in in England, um, and is v- very famous for its apple research. What was some of, for example? Because if if you haven't seen, you know, my eyes are kind of cross-eyed and glazing over here because, wow, okay. But what were some, for example, like job duties? What, like your first year on the job, what were they having you do? Like what sort of tasks? Um, You know, a lot of the jobs that I am still doing today. Okay. um, A lot of what you do as a plant breeder is we're, we're making crosses so we're pollinating um so making controlled crosses to collect seeds um growing those seeds up and evaluating that material so whether that's evaluating it for um a disease resistance or susceptibility or insect resistance or susceptibility and then ultimately of course when when that plant that tree has grown up and it's producing fruit evaluating the fruit for for quality eating quality and storage quality so this takes a number of years this isn't mm-hmm. this isn't just a, a month-long project this right. is a, a, a number of years okay did you ever work with pears just because you mentioned okay yes yes i in my uk job at east Morling, i i also was breeding pears um uh, the the cyan part, the fruiting part of the pear tree, but also the rootstocks for for pears. So, apple trees and pear trees are what we call composite plants. So each of them is made up of uh, a sort of um, a fusion of two different varieties. So the rootstock, the mm. bit that's in the ground and maybe about six inches above ground, that's one variety that's was especially selected for its um for, for its rooting and its vigor control and maybe a few other elements and then the sort of the fruiting part which is technically called the cyan um and that's those are the dessert varieties that you you know i mean right. in terms of all the variety names okay so all those every tree that's out there in commercial production is is a, a composite made of those two parts fused together when you're fusing these two entities together, are there ones that don't work well? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yes. And, and with broad stroke, why? Why? Why wouldn't you know X work with Y? Just. Do you know that's still a big black box in terms of okay. research? Um, okay. Yeah. But but there's some, and I'm just making this up. Uh, a red delicious apple won't work with some other, you know, insert made up name here. Certainly, okay. and and it it yeah. I mean, there's it's it's an incompatibility is what it's called between the rootstock and the cyan, mm-hmm. um, and there are certain combinations that that don't work. They well just together. don't work. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're still in the UK. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it makes perfect sense, the UK to Wenatchee. I mean, it's just, it's a common, it, I mean, the flights here. No, Frequent, how, right? <laughs> how, how, how did you end up at, well, it was from the UK to Wenatchee, was this, was that a direct stop for you? Did you go from there to the Washington State University or did you have another, any other stops before you ended up here at WSU? No, I came straight here. It was okay. um, I, so I worked at at East Morling in that breeding program for sixteen years. So it was it was a, a relatively decent chunk of my career. Yes, um, doing genetic research as well as breeding. So, but all of that in apples and pears. Um, and then I really wasn't looking to move. It was just, you know, when actually wasn't on your, on your top 10 list, (laughs) it really wasn't, you know, and, um, I, I actually went to a conference in Spain, uh, a fruit breeding conference. We're internationally a fairly small community, you know, in terms of, um, tree fruit and apples and pears, you know, we kind of know the other programs around the world and you get to know the other breeders. Um, and I happened to be <laughs> on the on the bus trip, as you do in the conference, sitting next to uh, Gennaro Fazio, who is an apple rootstock breeder in the US. He's based in Cornell, Geneva, New York. Uh, and um, he said to me, hey, Kate, you know, Bruce Barrett's retiring out of the, the WSU program. You should apply. And I went, eh, well, yeah, maybe. Uh, and that kind of started me thinking, well, if I apply, there's a very strong probability that they will invite me for an interview because, I mean, uh, at that point, I was pretty well experienced. Um, right well published and sort of known internationally and um and I thought wait I've never been to Washington state <laughs> and and that would be a great experience because if you work in apples this is one of those places that you really should visit um and so I did I applied for the job and they invited me over and rest is history rest is history so when you came over um did they have you go to Pullman or did they have you come here to this campus oh i had i had it all believe me it was the interview schedule that uh everybody would love to have they flew me into pullman uh, straight from england uh and i think i had two nights in pullman i was then driven to prosser because wsu has another research and extension center there irrigated ag and there's a, quite a tree fruit presence there I think I had one or two nights there, and then they drove me here to Wenatchee. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had a couple of nights here as well and then flew home from here. So it was a fairly intense process. What time of year was this? It was April. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah. Great. So they, they scheduled this. I mean, they they, did. they, they, were, they manipulated they you. Did. Let's just be honest. They did. Best okay. time of the year, yes. Did they mention winter here to you? They, they <laughs> did mention winter, but, you know, winter is important for tree fruit. We need to have chill. If we don't have enough chill hours, we don't get fruit bud and there are no apples. I warned you we'd go off. So yes. I have a question for you. My, my my wife has been complaining that this year we didn't have fall. We still have leaves on the trees and all that. Unusual. It seems like an unusual seasonal change this year. Summer, smoke, winter is kind of how it felt. Is that an impact to this year's crop in potentially? Or are, are apple trees... Because we certainly have cold. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I have to hold my hand up. I'm not, you know, I'm not a physiologist. Sure. But um, from what I am aware, uh, it that fact shouldn't be impacting our sort of fruit okay. burden production. It was just because the, the seasons have been a little off. Um, well, the, all of last year was a little weird. Okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, yes. Okay. So you, you interviewed. Mm-hmm. You got to see the bustling towns of Pullman, Prosser, and Wenatchee. Yep. Did, did they ever? Did you ever go to Seattle? Uh, not well. Only the airport. Just the airport. Yes. Okay. So okay. So you got to see the Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. All right. Obviously, we're sitting here, so we know that, that we know how this turned out. How long? How long did it take? When did okay? If you if you interviewed in April, when did you move here? October. Okay, another good month to be here. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. When you work in apples, yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> the Cosmic Crisp was under development at that time, and yep. you took over the project. Right. That seems complicated. Um, yes, I, I guess when you look at it from the outside, it, it does. I mean, I, I'd also stepped into a breeding program in the UK and taken over that one. Oh, okay. When you work in... In tree fruit breeding, it, it, it is a long-term deal. Um, so it's it really is beneficial to come in as a breeder to a program that's established because you're inheriting material at, at every stage. Mm. Um, and you can make progress a little faster, obviously, than if you're starting from scratch. And this program at WSU was only started in 1994, Uh, Bruce Barrett started it Mm -hmm. uh, from scratch. Um, So, you know, compared to other apple breeding programs across the states, it it is quite young. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. Can you kind of walk us through... So, let me see. I'm grasping all this. So, we're we're testing various rootstock with scions to ensure kind of compatibility. And you're, you're... you're trying to breed for a desired output, mm-hmm. right? And my super layman's view of this was that this apple was, the desire was maybe to replace a, another well-known apple characteristics and offer some other advantages, one of them being it holds well. I, Correct. Okay. It stores well, yes. stores well. Yeah. Okay. So you're testing these things, and some of it you want to see the fruit and all that. So, and I didn't realize this, and I I live a mile and a half from here. There's an orchard here. So were you actually were the were some of the tests actually conducted here? So the 
the way the breeding program works, um, and and yeah, maybe maybe it's it's better to sort of backtrack okay. into that <laughs> bit first. So so every year we make new cross combinations. So that means that we are as as breeders, we're thinking about okay, what what do we want in a new variety, um, and which combination of two parents would do we think would give us the best probability of getting what we want in a new variety okay right. mm-hmm. so then that's that's simple just sexual reproduction in apple it's just that we're controlling it because we're putting the pollen of the one parent that we want onto the flower of the other right okay waiting for fruit getting the seeds out and each one of those seeds is has the same two parents mm-hmm. but they're genetically different so they've got a sort of mix of of genes a bit like uh the easiest way to think about it is if like humans okay you know you look at a family and in many families you've got the same two parents right you you might have a handful of kids Mm -hmm. each of those kids is a result of those two parents but they're different great right right and so as breeders what we do is we exploit those differences we we then we make lots and lots of seeds mm-hmm. um plant them out and patiently over you know once they they start to fruit which might be five or six years down the line then we we select and so breeding is all about using that that mixing up of genes and then selecting doing rounds of selection to mm. find the best ones all the time so we do a a round of selection when the trees are about eight years old after we've looked at fruit for a few years. Mm-hmm. Then we propagate, make more copies of the best individuals, mm-hmm. which we can do vegetatively. So we're just we're taking a bud, uh-huh. sticking it onto a rootstock, making a new tree, and we can make replicate trees. Right. Then we do more evaluation <laughs> on those. And we do we do another round as well. So all the time, what we're doing is we start off with say, in any one year, ten thousand seeds. Right. Um, and we're over a period of about fifteen to eighteen years, we're we're reducing the number of individuals down, selecting the better ones, um, and doing more, increasing the number of replicates of each of those individuals and doing more evaluation until we find the best mm-hmm. individual that we can then make a decision on to release so that's kind of what happened wow. to the cosmic crisp apple okay where was that done right <laughs> Which was back to your original yes. question <laughs> yes, yes. Well, no 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 this is this um, is this is amazing this the, is great the seedling the original seed was germinated here at the center in, in Wenatchee, mm-hmm. uh, in the greenhouse. Okay. Um, it then went to the nursery, got propagated up to make a tree, and was planted in one of our... We have two research orchards um, that are linked to this research and extension center. One of them is up towards a rondo. Mm-hmm. The other one is on the way to the Palisades. Okay. Um, but the, it was planted along with that that seedling was planted along with several thousand others okay. in the in the orchard near a rondo. 
All right. So, but that's one, one environmental area. Did, did, right. did you try before going to market? Did you like say anything in Prosser? Yes. So, so yes. So, so as part of that, um, our first, first round of selection, when we've got our thousands of mm-hmm. different individuals, we only have one tree of each individual. They're oh. all different. Mm-hmm. That's one environment. That's the the Arondo orchard. Mm-hmm. When we have our when we've made selections for our next round of testing, we plant in three different sites. We have one that is up um, high elevation site near Lake Chelan, one that's in Wenatchee, and then one that is is down um, that, near Prosser. Yes. So once you started that process, mm-hmm. how long was it before? was released to growers like how what's the timeline there um so the original cross was made in 1997 okay produced the seed that then was was germinated in 98 um first trees went out to growers in 2017 so it was a full 20 years um but at that point we i would uh, in, in my opinion, I think we had more data about that particular uh, new variety than pretty much any other new variety at that point um, of of release. So oh. it had it had been fairly well evaluated by uh, sort of a whole load of different people, sort of independent views not just my opinion right. oh, hey it's a great apple you should plant it you know <laughs> um, independent views uh, we worked a lot with the washington tree fruit research commission who did some independent evaluation for us mm-hmm. um, and you know uh, then put it out there and and um, we were it's just been fabulous the amount of grower interest that we've had in terms of planting so one thing I read was that at first, I think it would be safe to say that demand outstripped capacity. Absolutely, yes. And you almost had, I don't want to call it a lottery, but kind of a... A drawing. A drawing. Yes. Okay. So that's that's interesting. So that was in 2017. The Well, the drawing was well, prior okay, to that to, to dis- distribute those trees okay. for 2017. So planting. in 2017, now this is maybe not your expertise, but I, I have a feeling you have information here far more than I do. So in 2017, the trees are begin to be distributed to the, the growers that mm-hmm. have been chosen to um, grow this mm-hmm. first this yep. first version. I don't know if version is not the right word. Okay. And that's only Washington State. Correct. It, in in the United States, it's only Washington State growers. It and is. that's for how long? Uh, it's a 10-year commitment at the moment. We mm-hmm. hope that we will be able to continue to, to keep at Washington State in the U.S. Really? Mm. Um, Certainly for, for a while longer. Okay. Yeah. Which is awesome for Washington State growers. That's, that's very cool. So these these trees are then taken to their various orchards that they're going to across, across, across the state. Did you have involvement personally from you know this point because they're not obviously they're being planted but they're not producing fruit right away so what involvement if any did you have during that phase oh yeah good question um you know not not really that much because once it's got to the point of release the the breeder and the breeding program the you're done (laughs) right you've done your evaluation you've chosen the one that you think is the best 
you've provided then input in terms of lots of data on evaluation. Um, I guess for me, it has been more about uh, my involvement, about talking about the Apple, discussing sort of and participating in um, discussions about naming and mm. um, brand development and licensing and the, the sort of more commercial aspects. Uh, in terms of the the research that has continued to go into producing Cosmic Crisp, that is really where my colleagues here and, and in one or two of the other places, um, uh, other R&E centres, um, have really stepped up because it's their expertise then that's needed. Mm-hmm. Sort of orchard and production systems, you know, right. the best as you, you know, the best rootstock to put it on, the best way to train a tree. What you know, what shape right. is a, is a good way? How do you prune it to get good yield? Mm-hmm. How do you when to harvest it? When how to store it right. to get the best quality fruit that you can? So, you know, here we. We're lucky enough to have experts in all of that, and they've all participated and okay. continue to participate. So you're you were kind of at that point more That's in the marketing and in right. and okay. Here's a random question for you. Do you remember where you were when you saw the first Cosmic Crisp Apple in the public, as far as like at a store? Really good question. Um, I. Th- think it was it was the Safeway in Wenatchee on um on fifth okay so what was that like it's just it's incredible I mean just you know I think I stood there and took a photo (laughs) (laughs) I bet you did and I'm still the person who they probably hate me in that store but they have a a little stand um uh, kind of post thing with a, a, a kind of poster on the top that is always by that apple section on on one side it has multiple pictures of multiple varieties and a few words about them and on the other side it's it's the cosmic crisp big picture of cosmic crisp and i'm always the person that turns it around so the cosmic crisp pictures out <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> i like that yeah, I can't imagine after working on the project for so long to then see it come to market. It is. It is a. It, it's a great. You know what? What I think drives uh, all of us as breeders is to is to get your product out into in, into the consumer's hands. You mm-hmm. know, and that is the wonderful thing. It's not. It's particularly I think when you work with a fresh fruit product. I mean. We win hands down, right? It's a healthy product. You want people to eat it. You right. want people to eat more of it. And eating more of it is helping your health, right? right. So um, it's a win win. It, it's a win win. Okay. It really is. Yeah, I've had wonderful conversations with consumers. I mean, I had a great interaction with somebody the first time I saw it in Costco. Oh, okay. And and this this lady was kind of standing there looking at the cosmic crisp um and sort of debating about obviously whether to pick up that box of fruit or not mm-hmm. and i i i think i kind of said oh um ha- have you tried that one yet and she went no have you so i said yeah yeah i i think you should have a go it's a really <laughs> give it a go it's nice and crisp and juicy and and it was and she picked up this box and she put it in her cart and i thought yes <laughs> i love it 
So the Apple's official name is WA38? It is, yes. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> what yeah, is... Really I mean, I think I, I have an idea. Can, may I speculate? Absolutely. WA for Washington. And this was the 38th variety of an apple that had been maybe patented? Uh, mm, kind of. Um, okay. Well, Bruce and I... Did I at least get the wall right? Well, kind of. Oh, geez. Bruce and I kind of <laughs> go backwards and forwards a little bit. Is it WA for Washington or is it WA for Washington Apple? Right? So oh, either... Oh, okay. And, and we've right. never really... Okay, it's WA. That's fine. All right, WA. Um, 38 was because it was the 38th selection to move into the second phase in the breeding program. Um, yeah, so okay. no other reason. All right. So is that within your community? Yes. It's WA38. The tree uh, and its patent name is WA38. Okay. Yeah. To the consumer, we know it as the Cosmic Crisp. Yes. How did we come to that name? Good question. Um, we had so many attempts to name this apple uh, <laughs> and um, really got some interesting input from various different naming companies in Seattle. And, and you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was a, a fascinating experience having the discussions. But we ended up not really being very impressed with the suggestions that they came up with. And so... Uh, I have a fabulous colleague based in Pullman in the School of Food Science, uh, Dr. Carolyn Ross, and she'd helped with apple tastings, sensory assessment, and various aspects like that. And she was willing to do some consumer focus groups for us about naming. I was like, oh, fabulous. And she uh, she ran several of these focus groups with a whole sort of different groups of consumers. Um, she did Yakima, she did a couple in Seattle, um, various different places. Uh, and we, we obviously gave them some fruit and she threw names or, or words around and mm -hmm. she got them to throw words around. And I, I was invited to a couple just as a sort of, you know, fly on the wall. Um, really interesting, the, the sort of the cosmic element came from a lady fairly early on who said she was looking at the fruit and the uh, all apples have what are called lenticels they're they're like sort of pores in the skin mm -hmm. um and on the cosmic crisp apple they were they're sort of whiter than many but also be they show up quite well because the, the sort of the ready ready background just makes them sort of pop a little and this lady said oh they remind me of stars in the cosmos okay okay so okay so then throwing around words cosmic kind of came up right it's a crisp apple i mean it is a super crisp apple one thing that really stands out about that apple is 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 its texture and so it just, yeah, sort of throwing the words around it, it fitted really nicely together, and and there you go. Now you're oversimplifying it. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because I can imagine that the decision to name it was analyzed and sweated over by a team. So it wasn't just like, that's it, let's go and move on to the next part. So I'm going to guess that it was, you know, 
it, it took it well it, it had more discussion than maybe I've kind of alluded to but you know but those words came together fairly early on in this process mm-hmm. um, and uh, we then of course had to think about okay well cosmic has got various different sort of you know there's the kind of uh, 60s kind mm-hmm. of right on cosmic sort right. of you know right. um, and then there's different ways to also think of the cosmos cosmic mm-hmm. um, we threw around sort of ideas uh, early ideas I think were of, of promotion material were sort of more along the Jetsons and that sort of <laughs> you know Kay. which didn't really fit all that well in my opinion but but then um the sort of the 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 artistic views that have come up with more of that sort of starry cosmos mm-hmm. actually i think work really well and i was just really pleased with the the final product in terms of how it came out when you when you release the name do the growers have anything to say about it, it do they it, care Oh, oh, they care. Yes, they absolutely <laughs> care. But uh, and it's had very mixed responses, and and it did with Bruce and myself as well. Neither of us were sort of yes, Cosmic Crisp. You know, we it it's taken a while to kind of grow on us. But mm-hmm. um, we've we've had. I mean, ultimately, I would say we've had more positive responses to that name than negative, and okay. people remember it. Which is well, ultimately important. what's from important. a marketing standpoint, yes. that's very important. It, yes. it needs to be a memorable name. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Cosmic Crisp. Well, one thing I've read, and we, we unfortunately we're going to get out of back. We're going to go backwards again. What were the two varieties of apples that were kind of the parents? The parents. Yeah. 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 The mother was Enterprise, which mm-hmm. is a an apple that's never really kind of made it commercially. It's, a, it's an American apple. It comes from a program that was run by Purdue, Rutgers, and Illinois universities. Okay. Um, Cosmic Crisp looks very much like its mother. Okay. And then Honey Crisp was the 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 uh, paternal parent, the pollen parent. Okay. Um, most people are aware of Honey Crisp now. That ultra crisp texture mm-hmm. was was what we were looking for. What would have happened if we would have reversed it? Um, good question. You know, we we don't know very much um, uh, fundamentally <laughs> about uh, the the maternal or paternal influence in mm-hmm. terms of which way around you make that cross combination. And many times now, when I'm making crosses, and and it's I'm, I'm sure Bruce was the same. We'd we'd do the crosses both directions mm-hmm. um, and because of the way that the the genes are sought anyway um, it's very difficult to to really get in there and tease apart if there's a difference between the direction mm, okay. of the cross so so Bruce was the originator here yes what was he going for what was the goal of this in his when he started yeah the goal ultimately is is to get better fruit for the consumer mm-hmm. um, to to have uh, new improved varieties for Washington State production. So okay. bear in mind that, you know, here in Washington State, we're producing um, at least 60% of the U.S. crop. Okay, right. So, I mean, major players mm-hmm. in, in the country. Um, but 
the varieties that were being grown in Washington State had not been selected for the climate that we're in, for the growing conditions of Washington State. They came from all over the world. Okay. So it made a lot of sense to have a program that was based here where we were selecting varieties that were selected in our conditions, our environment. Right. Um, so that was that was one element. It was apples that would grow well here. Um, apples that are a, a good range of improved quality for consumers mm-hmm. because ultimately they're the point where the money comes into the chain. Absolutely, right. right. Um, and then also to produce varieties that would be available for Washington growers. So from a that's a sort of a, a slightly weird one, but most apple varieties certainly in the 90s, which is when the breeding program started, and and actually as we continue through to today, most varieties are released from the breeding program to the industry in a in a, a sort of controlled exclusive license way to a limited number of growers, perhaps a sort of a particular warehouse or whatever, you know, they have to pay up front to have that license. Okay. Um, the the view Bruce's view at that point and uh, and it still is out there today is that you know there are growers out there who who have never really had access to these exclusive licenses they haven't been able to afford them they they so therefore they have not had the opportunity to plant the new improved varieties um it makes a lot of sense Washington State University we're a land grant university we're here to support the the growers of the state and and so our varieties are out there and available for Washington State growers. So I think that is also partly why we had this big uptake um, and interest and demand for the Cosmic Crisp Apple because there were growers there who had not had the opportunity to to have access to a new variety for a long time. Okay. Yeah, because when I look at a, a grower's website, I see... You know, I see Granny Smith. Mm-hmm. They don't, XYZ Orchard doesn't own the name Granny Smith. So XYZ Orchard's Granny Smith to the consumers, the same as ABC Orchard. I mean, this is the way I look at it. I don't know, if I go to my local Safeway, I don't know which grower grew this apple. So I can see how it could benefit that they get a chance to to invest in this new, new to the market fruit, hopefully capitalizing on interest and enthusiasm and all of that versus competing for an old not old, but, you know, a, a traditional, to me, a traditional Apple name. Right. And I see other names I've, I haven't heard of before um, that are, like, interesting to me. Okay. How do I, let's see, how do we want to do this? How, where do I want to go here? So, let me ask you this question. Then I'm going to ask you your, your opinion. So, there's no right or wrong answer. It's your opinion. Are you pleased with the progress that the, the Apple is making for the grower and all the way to the consumer. Yes. So I think it's it, it's it's a, it's a very, very difficult thing to launch an apple variety, um, uh. a brand new apple variety and to and and to measure its success. Mm-hmm. How do you measure its success? That is, you know, um, it, it's it's a challenge, right? Well, I mean I would think, I mean what little I know, I would think one way is does it sell at retail okay that's that's one measure but like for the growers is it a is it a good tree to grow is it a easy is it, how is it to harvest is it pest resistant all of these things 
because if it's finicky, even if it's great a great product, it it's harder for the grower. Okay. So overall, this tree has performed as anticipated on a scale that we're at now. It is a, certainly a tree that takes some input from the growers. It, it is not the easiest tree to grow. Okay. However, what I would say is that we, I think as a university, as my, my expert colleagues have provided and continue to provide some fabulous guidance mm-hmm. in terms of best practices for you know, how to plant it, where to plant it, what rootstock, how to prune it, how to manage it. You know, that's because every tree is different. Every right. variety is different. They all have their little nuances, you know. And when we look at varieties, for example, Granny Smith, as you, as mm-hmm. you mentioned that one, you know, it, when you've had a variety that's been out there for an awful long time, uh, uh, so much is known about it. Right. You know, when you put a new one out there and it's and it's, and it's also planted in a, in a in a different site with a different microclimate. There are always going to be things that that appear that are sort of oh I've never seen that before. Right. Hey, well, what a surprise, <laughs> you know. But I think with the continued research and the continued support that that we're providing, then <laughs> you know, hopefully uh, the the growers are, are still pleased with it. So one thing when I think well. I've changed one, I think, now. But when I when I moved over here to Wenatchee, when I thought of an apple tree, I thought of the old apple tree. Big trunk, you know, branches and overhanging and, you know. And that's not a that's not a commercial apple tree anymore. That's Correct. these are they don't look like trees to me. They look like walls in some cases. And there's all I've I've been learning there there's reasons why we're doing this. It's more efficient. They they fruit fa- faster, correct? The cosmic crisp from being planted to commercial viability, how long is that typically? What are we looking at? You, you mean until like I, if I planted, if I was, a, if I owned an orchard and in, uh, I planted in twenty twenty three, a uh, thousand trees. Um, how long would it be? Would I should I anticipate that I would be able to get a commercial volume of product? Is it like a three five year window? That that's a really difficult question to okay. answer. Um, I mean, usually um, by the second year there'd be a reasonable crop on those trees. Okay, but it totally depends on how those trees have been managed in mm-hmm. the orchard situation. You know, I mean, you talked about a fruiting wall. It, it is actually called a fruiting wall. Mm-hmm. The sort of much more two-dimensional <laughs> tree. Um, th- there are a lot of benefits to that. It, it's it has a a very um, even canopy, mm-hmm. which means that the light interception through the canopy is very even, which means that you get much more consistent fruit. Right. Okay. When you think of those big old trees that you mentioned, where you've got a very dense canopy, the fruit in the middle is going to be not getting anything like the sort of light that the fruit around the edges never is. thought so of that but right. it's obvious when you say it, but i never thought of that right and okay. so you get a hugely variable fruit um when you harvest uh, but but you'll also get fruit sort of um perhaps a uh, it'll be a slower um that would be a slower production system to actually get a, a sort of um a, a reasonable commercial yield because mm-hmm. Uh, you'd be planting the trees much further apart. 
um, than if you're planting in a fruiting wall. So that sort of high density planting, mm-hmm. y- you would start to, to get a reasonable crop mm-hmm. within sort of two to three years. In two to three years. Okay, so it's a faster turnaround for the grower than the old school thing. A while ago, early on in the podcast, we had a conversation with a, um, with a, uh, a cider maker out of Chelan. And he made a comment in passing. And I'm going to ask, I don't know, you'll know the answer, but I'm going to ask you the question. Approximately how many trees per acre are being planted? Because the number he told me, I think my, and I I understand that I'm asking you for one size fits all answer. But the number that he told me made my jaw drop. And so I'm just curious, to your and it doesn't have to be just the Cosmic Crisp, but in general, what would you say is a, a reasonable number to say per acre with this new fruit walls? And not, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, again, there, it, there isn't a one-size-fits-all, but um, 1,400 trees an wow. acre. That's I mean, staggering. very high density. You know, th- there are different ways for for growers to manage this, and there are systems now which y- you probably don't notice when you're in the orchard, but there are ways to have um, instead of a, a a single tree just being literally just a sort of a column right. you know, with a few branches. There are ways to train that tree where you have two leaders, so two sort of main stems coming up from one trunk. From one rootstock. Yeah, with then sort of fruiting branches on either side of it. And if you have a vigorous variety, Mm -hmm. you can can do that. And obviously that will halve the number of trees that you need per acre. And, and, you know, you've got to think about it from a grower investment. They're paying per tree. Oh, absolutely. You know, so so to put in 1,400 trees an acre, it's a big investment for a grower. Yeah, no, but I was shocked at that yeah. number. Yeah, the number I think he said a thousand. Yeah, so I was just like, I just couldn't wrap my brain around it at first. I mean, fourteen hundred's even larger, and I'm. But as I drive around, as I you know, as you drive around and you see orchards, you kind of if you pay yeah. attention, you go, oh, really? But that's amazing. I mean, and you're right. Um, fourteen hundred trees, da, 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 added up, you know, plus the. The land cost, the labor cost, all these things impact right impact growers right. directly. Okay, I think you know labor. You can just kind of say it quick, but oh. oh my goodness, I mean it's it's the biggest impact that there is. You know, and a lot of these new fruiting wall systems are have been developed really to to try to reduce labor costs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there's sort of a lot of detailed uh, tree training uh, mm-hmm. goes on, but harvest is the biggest issue. Right. We're still picking that fruit by hand. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you have that nice fruiting wall system, you also can have a, a, a harvest platform going through the field. Yep. You can have people harvesting, sort of uh, not going up and down on ladders. They're safer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got easy, very easy reach fruit to just be able to harvest. And and really, that is one of the biggest dilemmas for the growers, how to get the fruit off the tree and into the warehouse. Right. Okay. This project took 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He retired. You took over. Yeah. That's kind of a signature career move. I mean, it's it's the signature of a career, isn't it? That uh, you played this role in bringing this this variety to to marketplace. 
Yes, I mean, I, I hope I, I've I've released other varieties. I release varieties in the UK. Okay. Um, I am expecting that there will be more varieties that come out from this program. It's it is, I think it's yes. It took twenty years from the seed to get to then have trees out for growers. Mm-hmm. But you know, you you have to kind of view this and. We always think about this as a breeding program. It's like a conveyor belt. So every year we're making new crosses. Every year we're making selections. And it sort of moves forward all the time. So so like a pipeline, if you yeah. will. Okay, pipeline. Yeah. What would you... I, I don't know. You may not answer this question. That's okay. What would you like to see happen in your career now? Oh, well, I think for me, my aim has always be, been to to put out um, uh, sort of opportunities, different opportunities for consumers of, of different, um, different flavor profiles, different texture profiles. Um, that it's always, I think it's the thing that for me is the most interesting about working with Apple specifically is that as consumers have such widely different preferences mm-hmm. you know if you if you work in blueberry and my blueberry breeding colleagues will probably hate me for saying this you know i mean that it's it's a blueberry right you know consumers go buy a blueberry and the blueberry is a blueberry you, you probably don't know different variety names you are at, there oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? you look are at apple Right. And and consumers are so used to the fact that, oh, well, you know, there are green ones, there are yellow ones, there are red ones, there are bicolored, there are different, there are crisp ones, there are firm ones, there are sweet ones, there are tart ones, right? Mm-hmm. And people have their different preferences. So how wonderful as a breeder it, to be able to address this plethora of different um, different preference combinations. Right. Where do you fall? What's, what's, uh, you know, this is like asking who's your favorite child, but, um, from a profile standpoint, are you, where do you, where do you like, what do you like in an apple? Yeah, that, that is a really difficult question for me to answer because, um, my, my stockpile answer is I will usually say, oh, it's going to be the next release. Okay. Fair (laughs) enough. Well played. Well played. So that's an interesting. Okay. So are you, you get to sample all these. How many apples do you eat in a, not necessarily eat, but how many apples are you sampling annually? Oh, annually. I was going to say, well, this morning I okay. sampled 63. What? Tomorrow we have at least that many to go through in the lab. Okay. So, how, do does, weekly. so how does one sample 63 apples in a morning? What? Walk us through. That's okay. It's I used lot. to work at Starbucks, and we would cup coffee, and you know, you'd mm-hmm. sip it and spit it out. You know, you you could go through a lot. You're not like drinking. Although I always was disappointed we didn't get to drink all that coffee. But you know, that's how they test that. But how does one? Yeah, test sixty three yeah. apples. Yeah, you we we have them out in the lab. Um, my team and myself will just go through. Uh, independently and we we all have our little spit pot uh, or large spit pot in some cases <laughs> um, and and you you 
taste and and we have a sort of little rating well, you're not thing. taking a bite out of an apple handing it to your colleague so how was how no, are the not anymore. <laughs> not no, anymore no post covid <laughs> i mean we we did we used really? to not to hand it to, i mean we would have uh five apples of each selection out there and, okay. and you you kind of just bite in a different place sure, to your sure. colleagues kind of thing you know <laughs> Post-COVID, we're a little more careful and we, we have a sort of protocol set up where we have, um, again, well, still sort of five apples of each selection, but two of them we slice and put in little pots with a lid and then we um, we have a, a clean hand and a dirty hand and you open the lid with, with the dirty hand and you have a sort of skewer to... Right. S- take out your slice and close the thing up again so uh, and then taste the slice, so... So are you taking notes with each? Yeah, we, we actually, we, we went away from taking notes. We have a sort of um, like an electronic um, uh, score sheet okay. kind of thing. Um, and we so we, we have a rating system set mm-hmm. up for different um, appearance characteristics and taste characteristics, texture characteristics, and then a sort of an overall score and a comment section. So we all just rate on our individual tablets. Walk me through an example. What, as best you can, you've you've skewered a, a slice mm-hmm. of apple. You've you've tasted it. Walk, walk me through maybe something from this morning that's maybe fresh in your mind. Walk because this is interesting to me. So what what examples can you share that you you're grading this for? Like appearance, you're looking at skin color and and right and uh, for lack of you know, a uniform look if that's what we're going for? Yeah, we we um, we, we obviously take images of them all, so we, we don't have to rate the appearance okay. that accurately, but but we, we rate um, on size and shape, um, uh, colour, mm-hmm. so the amount of over-colour, so red or pink and colour of the background, um, the amount of russet, so the sort of, you know, the sort of brown rough um, mm-hmm. skin finish, um how how prominent are the lenticels those the sort of pores on the surface um we we rate um whether there are any defects mm-hmm. and then we we will rate from a um a, a taste perspective we will rate uh, firmness crispness and juiciness all mm-hmm. separately because they're all quite different mm-hmm. um and then tartness, sweetness, and aroma. Okay. And then we do a, a, a very simplistic kind of overall appearance uh, and then a overall eating quality and a, a, a one, two, three, is it? A one's of reject, two's look again, three is advance. Okay. And then comments, just free comments. And so you tested 63 apples today. Mm-hmm, yes. How long did that take? <sighs> I mean, it, it was, uh, I was on a, some of those were on a reduced testing, okay. um, but it probably took um, a couple of hours. And how many days a week or month are you doing test tastings like this? We, at the moment, um, will do um, around about 50 to 60 apples on a Wednesday and on a Thursday. Um, and we'll do, so just those two days. Um, we'll do that from. You realize that works out to about five thousand apples in a year. Uh, I, I know, 
Yeah, because we're not just we're not just harvesting. We we do different pick dates. Uh huh. Um, we have different sites, so we we have samples from those. We have um, storage, so right. fruit that's been stored for two months and then sitting out in the lab for a week just at room temperature mm-hmm. to simulate sort of you know home. home. Use. Yeah. Right. And then we also taste again after four months of storage and a week. Um, and so some of those are a bit ropey. <laughs> so earlier, you maybe before we hit rolling, you mentioned you had children. Uh-huh, yes. Do your kids like apples or did you burn them out? <laughs> um, <laughs> good question. Uh, they don't, you know, the ones that have left home um, have got more into eating apples, I think, okay. than... Uh, than the ones that are at home. (laughs) (laughs) They were great for some of those nice sort of um, early publicity shots of, you know, kids of young ages with a big apple in their mouth and a smile on their face. (laughs) Okay. Let me ask you, so typically, I'll ask you this question. When you're not at work and breeding apples, what do you like to do for relaxation and fun in the area? Um, I love the theater. And so I, I, I found that Wenatchee is just fabulous for the theater, particularly musical theater. So I try and go and see everything that I can at the theater. Um, and I sing, I sing with Columbia Chorale. Um, so, uh, we do our sort of three concerts a year. Um, All right. My other fun singing thing is I, I also try and do the Lake Chelan Bark Fest every year. Okay. And sing with a chorus. So All right. So I was waiting for you to say you're growing apples at home. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Definitely not. Do you no. so do you have any apple trees at home? No. No. They're like that's too much. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have two pluot trees. <laughs> okay. All right. What's your favorite season here in the in the Wenatchee Valley? Oh, really good question. I think it would have to be uh, spring, which I think is most people's favorite time here. You know that for me, spring's a busy time for work because we're obviously dealing a lot with bloom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that I can't appreciate it. I think it's it's just a a great time for weather and beautiful. Well, that's, that's interesting. All right, so that brings me in so seasonally here with your job what if we from a high level overview what what are this the if we have four seasons here earlier we were, i was joking that we don't but if we have you know spring summer fall and winter what's what's your focus in each of those major seasons at, from a work perspective yeah spring um spring is bloom and so we're crossing we're doing lots of pollination mm-hmm. um so so that's that can be fairly intense um uh moving into summer is summer actually for the breeding program is kind of the if you like the quieter time it's mostly orchard maintenance Mm -hmm. um uh late summer we start harvest and i guess into fall so we're very much focused on on harvesting fruit Mm -hmm. and then starting um evaluation of that of those fruit samples we carry on doing evaluation all the way through, usually into February. So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of into winter, um, and then we'll start. We we start sort of uh, late winter, early spring with planting new trees. So I guess that's our 
our cycle. That's kind of your cycle. All right. And here on this campus, how many people are involved in, in your program? Um, really good question. I have uh, three, three technicians, uh, one graduate student at the moment, and um, a, a research professor as well. Okay. So um, five plus me. And are you teaching courses? I teach in the spring. So this semester I, I teach, I co-teach a research orientation and presentation class. And are those students here on this campus? Or are you teaching them at from remote from Pullman or? Yeah, I teach. Our the Department of Horticulture is spread right across the state of Washington. So uh, in this this semester's class, um, I have one student in Pullman. I've got a couple in Mount Vernon, uh, three here, one in Prosser. Um, sometimes we'll also have we we have department members in Puyallup. Um, and also Tri Cities, so we can we can cover all of those. So okay. yeah, this could go on for a long time. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you some stock questions. I always ask people about their communities. Now it's going to be interesting because we, you and I, share the same community. Um, stereotypically, England likes tea. But are you a coffee drinker? I'm a coffee drinker. I don't drink drink tea at all. <sighs> See, they're okay. Where do you go for coffee in the area? I I don't. I'm I'm afraid. Yeah, that's okay. I tend to uh, prefer a French or Italian roast. Do you have a roaster that you're currently? No. No. <laughs> I, I'm in the process of trying. I I sort of go on and off in terms of uh, whether. Uh, I mean, my sort of European tastes for coffee are a little bit different to mm-hmm. American coffee, and uh, I'm. I struggle sometimes to find something that fits my palate. So what's your, if if I forced you to go out for a cup of coffee or, or coffee beverage, what would you order? Would you just order like a pour over coffee or black coffee? Or are you going to order a latte? No, I probably would usually go for an Americano. Okay. Black. Black as it should be. Mm. I mean, just okay. Um, you say you're European palate. So you like. Dark, dark, smooth, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you haven't, you haven't, you. So do you? T- okay, here you are tasting all these apples. Do you kind of take that scientific approach to other foods? <laughs> um, rarely, not to the same kind of um, <laughs> point, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, I appreciate, um, I appreciate good ingredients mm-hmm. in my food. Okay. Yeah. So with coffee, you you like a darker, smooth. So you're not a big fan of this light roasted. No. Uh, kind of the contemporary thing that's going on in American coffee roasting. Mm. And that's okay. You're you're amongst friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. All right. Another question I always ask my guests, and this is this is the easy version of the question. It's like, so where's a great place to grab lunch in Wenatchee? Oh. I'm I'm English, so India House. I have never <laughs> eaten in India House. So let me ask you this question, because you said you're English and you, you made this happy face about India House. How does India House compare to back home? Oh, you know, 
Um, and that might not be a fair comparison, but I'm just curious. Well, I mean, that's it is a, a very difficult question because, you know, it, it is, I think, chicken tikka masala is the national dish of England now. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so, you know, uh, it, we are very, very um, dedicated consumers yeah. of, of Indian cuisine. Uh, India House is really good. Okay. Um, and I would recommend anybody to try their lunchtime buffet if you are not, if you've not tried Indian food before, it's a great way to, 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 to try it. I just haven't tried that restaurant. Okay. Cosmic Crisp Apple, what does it pair well with? Oh, many, many things. But um, as a coog, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have This to was say not planned. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been thought through, but not planned. <laughs> Cougar gold cheese. It, I mean, apples and cheese are a fabulous combination. Absolutely. And, and we did, actually, for the... Um, was it? I think it was Taste Wenatchee at Town Toyota, or mm-hmm. I forget if that was the name of it. But it was mostly wine and and mm-hmm. ciders. But we we did a a Cosmic Crisp stand, and we had slice of uh, Cosmic Crisp apple, a little bit of Cougar Gold cheese, and a, a drizzle of um, some kind of honey over the top of it. But I mean, just the apple and the cheese combination is really good. To your knowledge, is anybody making a cider with? Yes, okay. absolutely. Two towns cider um, out of Oregon. I think they're Corvallis based. I believe I believe that to be correct. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what is particularly nice that the guy from Two Towns had a long conversation with me. Actually, just kind of called me up out the blue and was asking me about the history of Cosmic Crisp because he was interested. Mm-hmm. Has a a very uh, a pretty high. Um, sugar content cosmic crisp apple it's 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 sweet but it's also tart so mm-hmm. you get sort of both of those when you eat it but for cider making that is a really good um Kay. good balance uh sort of boosts the alcohol content right. and um yeah it's it's a very nice cider once again because you're english mm-hmm. but also because you're an apple breeder are you a fan of ciders I don't particularly drink cider. Again, okay. uh, mostly I think because it's apple. And, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, seriously, this is my, I think I've done 31 years of selecting in apple orchards. And so, you know, it, it's kind of, put it like, I don't typically go to a restaurant and have apple pie for dessert, right? You know? Okay. And so I, there are things that I would drink. Before. As opposed what, to what, apple, what would uh, you, cider. What rather. would you select over, like if we are going out to dinner somewhere here in town and you were going to have a, 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 a beverage with, with dinner, what would be your... your, your well, a, as, a, as a dark coffee lover, I also like dark beer. Oh, pray tell. Oh, um, yeah. I, are you fan of the stouts then? Uh, or porters. Porters? Um, probably a little more than stouts but yeah i i will sample many of them i i, I think we have some great local um craft beers and so w- currently what's what comes to mind on that um if i go sort of <laughs> slightly beyond wenatchee i'm uh, um oh, irish death oh really <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay. That tells you about my palate. It does. <laughs> that, that sums it up in two words. Oh my gosh. All right. Interesting. That's actually very cool. All right. I like wine as well. I do. Yeah. I do you do? Wine, but, but so wine. Okay. So with your palate though, where, where, where's your, where's your palate for oh, wine? All over the place. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoy, you know, some of these events that, um, 
the Chamber of Commerce puts on of the, the tastings. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, absolutely great. I okay. really enjoy those. All right. Yeah. Okay. So chorale music? Yep. Do you, do you get out? Do you do any, you know, hiking, skiing? Are you into any of that? Um, don't ski. I tried it to start with, but the kids very quickly outpaced me and it became okay well so so my husband and i would then either snowshoe or hike okay um which we we will still do yeah yeah which is great around here okay what didn't i ask you that i should have um yeah really good question uh <laughs> i don't know my mind's blanking it's, it's okay <laughs> just want to make sure that we got we cover everything that's you know and we could keep going on and on and on all right. Now, I think I know the answer to this one because you kind of tipped your hand, but this is the, I stole, I stole that question from people too, but I also stole this question and I think it's kind of fun. Cake or pie and why? <laughs> Ooh, now that's a really tricky one. Um, uh, yeah, I, I actually really love to bake, uh, okay. but I would probably much prefer to bake cake than pie. Okay. And, what type Why, of cake? Uh, I'll try my hand at anything, but probably chocolate. Somehow that seems appropriate <laughs> for all these things. Okay. And then to wrap it up, if if the listeners want to learn more about the Cosmic Crisp or WSU, where, where would you have people go? What would be a good resource for them? There is a, a Cosmic Crisp website. I mean, if you just type in Cosmic Crisp, you'll find it. Okay. Um, and also WSU Tree Fruit has got a lot of um, resources for tree fruit growers, but also for just people who are interested in, in mm-hmm. anything tree fruit. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you for making this happen. You're very welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at Explore Law State. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at explorewashingtonstate.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.